Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I welcome in Sophia Tostenson, who is the CEO and founder of Fit by Science Coaching. She is an entrepreneur, former research scientist, and fitness and nutrition coach. She earned her PhD in entomology from North Carolina State University, and she spent years working as a research scientist and enjoyed countless hours with mosquitoes, fruit flies, and their DNA. She has a background in biology, genetic engineering, entomology, and chemistry, and is a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and CrossFit Level 1 instructor. Although Sophia loved her work as a research scientist, in 2021, she made the decision to leave the lab and couple her passion for science with her lifelong passion for exercise and nutrition, and founded her own coaching business, Fit by Science. As the founder and CEO of Fit by Science, Sophia has developed a coaching method that emphasizes the importance of sustainable small daily changes that will yield big results over time. With her clients, she focuses on the importance of prioritizing physical health, which will in turn improve mental health and well-being. She does not believe in quick fixes, restrictive diets, or any program that suggests you should eliminate exercise or entire food groups to reach your goals. And we dive into a lot of this on the podcast. I always talk in, love talking about fitness and nutrition, um, so there's a lot of great areas that we go into with Sophia. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation, and without further ado, please welcome in Sophia Tostenson. Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you today. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. As we, we, we've talked before, I, I love just fitness, nutrition, health and wellness, all of that good stuff. It's been such an impact on my life. I know it's been on yours. So I'm excited to have this conversation because this is something with just even friends and you know coworkers or what have you, this always comes up. It's always topics that people have thought about. And I'm curious to get in this with the clients you work with and the people um, you're around. I, I thought maybe a good starting point, you know, especially being the Just Get Started podcast, there's a lot of reasons people choose to do things in their life. Some maybe they're forced into, some they have no other avenues, some it's you know, trauma as a child, so they wanted to help people. Like everyone has their different ways. So I'm kind of curious, as I was looking at some stuff prior, you know, you mentioned that, you know, exercise has always played a big role in your life. I'm curious where that, is that a positive thing? Like, did you have a good family upbringing and, and they kind of encouraged that and, and involved with sports? Was it a, I've heard it on the negative connotation side of people feeling like they have to do that because of their upbringing. I'm kind of curious where you're, uh, that spawned in your life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so exercise has always been a huge positive influence in my life. I grew up playing a bunch of different sports, uh, soccer. And then after having multiple knee surgeries, switched away from soccer to lacrosse and field hockey and track. And more than just the physical exercise has always had a positive impact on my mental health. So at the times in my life, when I had surgeries, I was a pretty miserable person to be around. I had surgeries when I was pretty young. Like the first one was when I was 13. Uh, and I first uh, r realized at that point in time, I was like, wow, I, I can't go very long without exercising. So for me, it's really been more of always more about the positive mental health benefits than the physical. I mean, the aesthetics that everyone's looking for are, are nice and follow sort of the mental health benefits for me. So that's something that I really try to emphasize with my, with my clients as well. And also going through my PhD it was really important to reduce stress. And so I tried to do that with my cohort as well during my PhD, mm. that we would, we would prioritize exercise and movement. When going back to the, the childhood, was it more yeah. on the, the mental benefits, as you said, just kind of relieve stress maybe, or, or the excitement or whatever it was, was it also though around, and I'm, I, I don't I know if it was or not, but a lot of times, you know, I know for myself, like playing sports growing up, I just loved being around those teammates and like the competitiveness of it and, and kind of what it did for me there. Was that the same for you? Yes. Yes. I've always loved the social aspect, the community aspect of exercise and it doesn't even have to be a team sport. Like I've always enjoyed uh, hiking, you know, with other people too, just being outdoors with other people, even if I don't know the people, just the, you know, community people being outside, being active together and seeing working out with other people for sure. Yep. 
the um yeah the impact not just on myself but seeing other people you know involved in healthy and healthy habits yeah in terms of your family upbringing did you have a lot of healthy I mean, in terms of like what y'all ate, like how you maybe conducted it from a health and wellness standpoint, or was it kind of just the average, the norm what most Americans have? I'd say that we had a very balanced diet. My sister actually chose to be a vegetarian and then a vegan later on when she was only nine years old, but I've mm -hmm. always been a meat eater. Yeah. And she very recently actually went away from a vegan diet after we can get more into that later, but, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, for, for health reasons, but I, yeah, we always had a positive influence from our parents. So there was no sort of restrictive restricted eating. So we would have dessert, but we would also have all of our fruits and vegetables and uh, balanced meals. So there was always a positive influence and we never felt shamed for, eating anything. So they, they did a really, really good job with us uh, growing up. Yeah. What was the reason can I, I, we can get into it a little bit. Like, I mean, nine years old, be you know, going to a vegan diet or vegetarian, maybe started, you know, that like, yeah. why was there something that she was exposed to that made her want to change that? Well, at the time she was nine years old, she wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, and I think that was the initial, that was the initial reason and loved, absolutely loved animals. And then as she got older, it was more about sort of the, some of the environmental impacts that the agriculture industry has. Mm. Um, and now she very, very recently after a conversation she and, she and I have had about the importance of not eliminating entire food groups, she's no longer uh, vegan, mm. but she was for very many years. Yeah. That's how it started. I've always been to meet you though. So I was, I always, uh, my parents always got meat, so I always wanted to eat meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, that's always curious to me because I actually had a, I was pescatarian for like three years. And um, this is back probably six years ago or something like that. And then I, I, still, I stopped eating meat, but then I've now picked that up and that's mostly what I eat. And mm. it's just been kind of an evolution. And this is where I think we'll get into with the conversation of how like, especially folks that you talk with, you know, in, in coaching them on, there's so much information out there and we can get skewed a little bit, you know, uh, Hollywood does a great job with their documentaries where they could really skew us in one way or another. If we don't look outside and, and kind of do our quote unquote research, um, talk with people that kind of know this a little bit deeper than us. So it's always something that's curious to me when I hear, you know, vegetarian and vegan and, and why people go in that route. Cause I'm assuming would, would you say like a lot of the people that you coach, they come in from all different areas. So like maybe they are vegetarian or vegan because I have, this is a random tangent. So stop me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like if someone comes in like that changes how you can help them potentially, because as you know, you probably similar to me, you know, the benefits of eating meat. Right. But if someone is, doesn't do that for whatever reason, now it's a matter you have to change that in their coaching program to still help them re re achieve desired results. Yes. Yes, it is. So I do not turn away clients that are vegan or vegetarian. I mean, that's someone's personal choice, but I definitely, I will be honest and say that I prefer working with people who are not eliminating any food groups unless they absolutely have to. And you obviously you want to try and get most of your nutrients from whole foods and then supplements are secondary. <laughs> But even with supplements, you know, vegans are going to need supplements. Um, but even with the supplements, it's not, it's not like getting all of your nutrients from whole foods and people can sometimes take supplements, sometimes not take them. I don't sometimes feel comfortable recommending certain supplements to people either. So I, I definitely prefer if, if people can to be eating all of their food groups yeah. for sure. So I want to get, let's get back on the road here. Cause I took us off on a, on a side road for a minute. You obviously exercise important. It seemed like nutrition growing up. Why though, did you decide to dedicate your life's work as it is now to helping people? Cause you weren't going down that path, right? With your PhD. <laughs> so what really ultimately kind of changed you in this direction? What did you see out there? Maybe it was conversations you're having. Help us out there. Cause I'm kind of curious. Sure. Right. So my, my PhD was in entomology, uh, which is yeah, totally different. So I was working with insects and 
wasn't so much insects. I was really in a lab that worked on genetics. So I was doing insect genetic pest management, but I went into that lab and into that program because I wanted to have an impact on human health. So I was always really interested in insects mm -hmm. and they were more of a hobby. I got interested in them in undergrad from an influential professor. But the reason that I joined the grad school program was not to be working with insects, but I wanted to work with human health. So I was working with mosquitoes mm. and in a lab that did insect genetic pest management. So we made transgenic insects for different purposes, either to reduce a population or change a population so that it couldn't transmit a virus. So we had either a human health agricultural benefit or a human health benefit um, that was a pest like a mosquito or mm. yes, or some or something else. So there was always the that importance to me to be somehow connected to human health. And, and then in, sorry, go ahead. No, no, fin finish the thought there. That was, that was good. Yeah. So <laughs> there was, there was always that. And then during my PhD, I think I really realized that I felt very separated from having a direct impact with people and the PhD was challenging. I absolutely loved the science. I loved the research project. It was incredibly fascinating, but I, I wasn't really thrilled every day and feeling energized every day with the work I was doing. And so when I finished the PhD during COVID, I was in a lab and I still was interested in science, but I wasn't feeling energized by it. I was separated from people and I'm a pretty extroverted person. And I didn't really realize all of that about myself until the postdoc during COVID when I wasn't seeing anybody all day, except maybe one person in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, I was like, you know what, you, uh, you should take what you've always been passionate about and just go for it. Like I've always been passionate, passionate about fitness nutrition. And uh, like I mentioned, the mental health benefits and my mental health was suffering during that time. And so I said, you know what, just, uh, just, just go for it. Just make the change. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a, well, it's been a hard transition, but I have never looked back. Well, and so I want to dive in a little bit because I'm assuming most of the people you coach, the reason they're coming to you is because they don't feel their life is balanced and in order and they want to improve something. Now, whether that's a number on a scale or whether that's just feeling better or whether, you know, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but how did, so when you said, you said you had some mental health challenges as you were going through that, how did you curb those? Was that just leaving and doing something different or are there practices that you put into play to ultimately improve the mental health? Yeah. So no matter what period of in my life, other than the times I've had surgeries, I have always prioritized uh, exercise. And there are very few days since that I can remember since I was a kid that I have not done some kind of exercise. I mean, I'd say at least like, even if it's just like a walk, like I am not a sedentary person, never have been. And it's very challenging for me to sit at a desk, like even, you know, for, for an hour, it's, it's hard. So I've always prioritized that. What I wasn't prioritizing at that time, especially in grad school, was more of the nutrition and, uh, you know, realizing how how much better I can sleep, digestion, stress by changing the nutrition. That was something that was a little bit new for me. And once I realized the benefits of that and um, and combining those, then that was that was really the key the key for me. And then the final thing was to just make the transition from being a lab research scientist to starting my own business and it 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 fell into it fell into place i'm assuming though there were some stressors starting the business as well that you had to kind of manage right oh absolutely i'd say once i had made the decision probably the first big stressor was telling the people in my life that i was going to do this because no one expected that of me and i was doing job interviews to go into um you know biotech industry here so i was doing interviews and I continued to some of the interviews, even though I had already made the, this decision. So it was a hard thing for my family to sort of accept in the beginning because they had expected me to go from my PhD, either to become a professor or to go into industry. And I don't like uh, displeasing people, <laughs> but, but I knew I'd made the decision and I embraced it. And it even took me a while after I made the decision 
to tell other people when they asked me like, oh, what do you do? I found myself initially leading with, oh, I got my PhD and then this is now what I do. Like it was a hard mm-hmm. identity sort of change, even though it is 110% what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. How much when you work with your clients is is that one of the big struggles? Because again, we can on surface level can say, oh, you're not eating healthy or you're stress, you know, you're binge eating, you're not prioritizing exercise, your sleep's bad. But how much is that impacted because maybe they don't like their career, maybe they are uh, their their identity seems like it's kind of been shaken and, and they don't know what to do. They don't have a support system like do you get a chance to go deep like that with your clients or do you more keep it on just the nutrition side or? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I do talk about that with my clients because I really like to emphasize the importance of setting goals that are not aesthetic goals. So usually when people come to me, they are interested in fat loss and, or gaining muscle or maybe some combination of both. But when we have those first conversations, I say, okay, aside from those, let's set some non-aesthetic goals. So tell me some things that you are interested in improving. So maybe that's their sleep hygiene. Maybe it's their digestion. Maybe it's just reducing stress. Uh, Maybe they want to learn how to cook. Like there's lots of different other goals that people can set. And then we set a way for them to track their progress and collect data so that they can see they're improving in those areas and not just improving in the aesthetic goals. So that is the way that I address that with them initially. So I do try and dive into that a little bit. Mm. And especially, I think, you know, coaches have to talk about that with their clients because change is hard for people. So if you're a coach and you just just give someone a program and you say, all right, this is your exercise program. Um, This is, you know, this is what you're going to prioritize for your, for your meals. These are you know, you might eat 80% whole foods or 20% process, however, you know, however you want to do it with clients. If you just give them that, you're, I feel like you're kind of setting people up for, for failure. Um, some clients can turn their whole life upside down and go into a plan and just commit to the whole thing. Other clients need to just have tiny steps and make small changes. And as a coach, you kind of need to, you need to help them with those small changes to build momentum over time. And I think that's where those conversations can really help people that are not just about the exercise program and the nutrition, but also a lot about the the mindset and the mental health. Well, and that to that point, I guess, and this goes back to like your childhood, right? Is you had a really healthy, it seems like yes. sur- group surrounding you, you were active. And I, but I find this talking with a lot of folks of like, And even my, I mean, again, I could even speak on myself where I was like this thin kid. I had a hard time gaining weight, right? I was like tall, lanky kid always and didn't have a lot of muscle. And that always bothered me. Like that was always something. And I know a lot of people are on the opposite side of it as well, where they're told maybe they're, they're, you know, overweight or they're eating too much or whatever. And they have, I think we all have that type of thing. And I'm kind of curious how much, again, does that come into play or like these, this childhood trauma people have had, it makes them hard to commit to a program because they have these like almost negative connotations to health and wellness baked into their head. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just these negative connotations, but if people have tried in the past, either on their own or with another coach, had previous experiences where they have failed or they perceived that they failed, mm-hmm. it makes it harder for them to see themselves succeeding in the future if they haven't felt that success yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they tried a bunch of times, then they, they, if they don't believe in themselves to make the changes, then as a coach, you need to help them see that they can, they can make the changes and they can absolutely succeed. And I don't do visualization activities with people, but I tell people they can, they can look into them and try and visualize what it's actually going to look and feel like for them when they reach some of these goals. Again, not just being the aesthetic goals, but some of these other benefits, like the improved sleep, digestion, feeling happier, like all of those, all of those things. So I encourage them to do that as well. And I also try and stop them right in the beginning from self-deprecating talk because people are really, really bad about that. Yeah. And I, uh, guilty. And I, yeah, you're <laughs> bad about that too. 
Oh, it's yes. And, and honestly, I'm bad about it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes we, we compliment our friends and colleagues and what have you. And then we beat ourselves up, which is kind of hilarious to me. And, and it's for someone that does that a lot to himself, you know, is of why we do it. I still try to figure out why I do it. I have my reasons, right? I have my insights, I think, into it. But um, I know yeah. it definitely uh, hamstrings us from moving forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I'll do like <laughs> last week, I did a really, really tough RX workout at, at the gym. Mm -hmm. And after I finished, I was really happy with my time. And I looked over at my friend and I said, did I just do that? And they, <laughs> he turned to me and said, you can't even appreciate for one second that you just accomplished that. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of it that way. All I did was just didn't believe that I just accomplished that. <laughs> yeah. It's very, there's some really, it's so funny. I mean, not to get down the CrossFit rabbit hole, but like that similar thing of like you finish something or you do like, oh my God, I can't believe I can finish that time. And then you look over and you're like, oh, they did a little heavier weight. That's why it took them longer. Or, so, you know, it's like you're comparing. It's just, yes, not healthy, but as long as we keep working on it and recognize it, I think that's the most important part, right? Yes. And, and a lot of the struggles that my clients are going through are also things that I struggled with. I think a lot of them think, I mean, I, I did grow up eating healthy, but I did eat dessert. And during grad school, there were many nights where I was stressed out and I ate an entire one of those like frozen um, Entman cakes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, yeah. Those were, yeah, those Delicious. were rough times. And I, I think that my clients might think I did not have challenging times like that, or, or perhaps I just enjoy nutritious food and don't have cravings. Like that's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's still a challenge. And, and on stressful days, I still have those, those cravings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and might feel really bad after, you know, after binging some nights or things like that. We're all human. And anyone who says they don't struggle with that, I'm not sure that I believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of curious. I want to take this from a different angle maybe than I have before, Yeah. but because we always talk about how to succeed. Like, again, there's, there's the non-aesthetic goals. There's the aesthetic goals. Maybe it's a number on the scale. Um, why, and in your experience, right, why do people fail? What are some of the reasons people don't achieve those goals? The number one reason usually with the people I've worked with is non-compliance typically when we work together. But I think the reason for the non-compliance, most clients will say is a lack of time. But then if we really delve into it, it's more than a lack of time. It could be something like, they are not enjoying the workouts and they need to be, they need to be doing something different. So perhaps they are trying to do what they think they should be doing at the gym, like a hit workout, but really what will be better for them is just 30 minutes of walking a day, like something that takes lower, uh, lower entry to get into and, and that they can be sustainable with. So even though it looks like non-compliance on the surface, if you dive into it, uh, I think it is, yeah, one of the main reasons is people, you know, not the entry level for them to make progress is too high. So they're, they're, they're not complying. And then I think another reason usually people are afraid that they're going to fail. And so rather than doing a little bit, they do nothing at all because they think they have to do everything or they don't do anything. So I, I try and talk with people about that in the very beginning as well. Like it's okay, even though the fastest way to the results you want, maybe a hundred percent compliance, it's not the only way. So tell me if you're struggling, we'll work through it. If yeah. you just make a couple changes in your first month, that's still more than you were doing the previous month. Yeah. And hopefully you can get people past that failure or past that sticking point where they feel like they're not making progress. Well, that, yeah. And you mentioned the time is because it's time and that could probably be taken a couple of ways. That's time of like not making the commitment in terms of like, Hey, I have to schedule this out, make it a part of my life where it wasn't before. Yeah. But then also it, it like, like if someone struggled for, I'll, again, I'll use myself example. I won't talk about anyone else. It makes it easier. Right. It's like, I was 170 pounds soaking wet back in 2017 and I'd worked out. I was doing like beach body programs and stuff. But yeah. I wanted to 
put more muscle on, right? I want it, but it was one of those things. It took me a little while to realize like it wasn't going to happen overnight. And now it's been five and a half years and I look at where I've been, but I think I had the mindset early on was like, oh, I'll go for a little bit. I'm going to start seeing, and and no, it took a long time to build that strength up. So I guess my, where I'm going with that is someone might've gone 10 or 15 years of like poor eating, bad exercise, you know, sleep has been poor. And then they expect in a month, all of a sudden the scale just to move dramatically. And all of a sudden they're going to change their life. So from a time commitment standpoint, it's daily, but also the time horizon in terms of length of time results will take, and maybe it's misguided on their end. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you can probably, you you can testify that like how long it, it, took over five and a half years to to build muscle. I'm sure there are points in time where you felt like, or months or maybe even six months or a year where you felt like I'm not, I'm not seeing the mm-hmm. results I want. And you probably at some points wanted to to give up. I don't know, maybe not. Well, it wasn't get, yeah, give up, but more like what, what could I do to tweak this and continue to optimize? And, but again, I think that was also, I was in a different spot in my life than maybe if I happened 10 years prior, because mm-hmm. by, by the way, when I did, I started to do like, I did P90X, I remember back in like 2000. Yeah, P90X. Yeah, Tony Horton, shout out. Uh, 2010, 2011. But like even that, I did that program. But then I do like programs here and there. Like I do Insanity for a month. And then I'd like sputter around doing 30 minute workouts. And I wasn't like seeing the results. But at that time, I didn't put in the thing of, oh, it's just because you're not making a commitment to it. You know, you kind of blame something else versus yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think a lot of people think, okay, if I'm exercising regularly and I'm eating pretty healthy, uh, then I should be seeing the results that I want. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, oftentimes people are following different programs. It's not a program that, that emphasizes progressive overload. So, or they're just watching different YouTube videos and because people want to see results much faster than they are going to see them, even if they are sticking with a good program that they've chosen themselves, the amount of time they stick with it, they're not seeing the results and they think, okay, this one's not working. I'm mm-hmm. going to jump ship and go to another one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, that's where a coach can be really helpful as well. And another reason I always have my clients do the data collection and have them track their weight so that they can see they're lifting heavier and getting stronger. So even if they're not seeing their muscles get bigger, they're not seeing you know, themselves lean out in the ways that they want as quickly as they want, we can say, hey, look, at the beginning of the month, this is what you were deadlifting. And now look, you've added 50 pounds to your deadlift. Mm-hmm. And they can say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, I see some progress there. Yeah. Well, I think that's important too. I appreciate bringing that up because like, again, you think of, you might be this is what this is a I'm just I'm thinking this on the fly and but again I only could use myself as an example because I don't have the background and the research you do but it's like I remember when I gained like I was at 170 I remember like within the like six or eight months like I was eating like four or five thousand calories a day like a ton yeah. and I gained I got up to by the summer like nine months later ten months later I was up at like 200 pounds 202 something like that but what's interesting the reason I'm telling this story is when I started CrossFit I think I could do like three pull-ups or something like that. Let's use that. And, and then like in the spring, I was like at seven or something or whatever. And then later that summer, that fall, I was still at like seven. And I remember talking with uh, Lay, who's our, he owns the, the CrossFit RTP. And I was like, God, I feel like I'm not making progress. And he's like, Brian, you've gained 15 pounds in the last four months. So you're actually pulling more weight than you yeah. had before. So yes, the number is the same, but it never clicked in my head. Like, oh, I'm heavier. So actually I'm stronger because I'm doing the same amount. You know what I'm saying? So like those things, I think we don't always think about, we don't see the, the edges and then we start beating ourselves up. Like we're not progressing. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the beginner gains for someone who's never weightlifted before, you know, that's real as well, because the first time someone does a movement, they're not confident in it. So they're going to go a lot lighter. And then it might even be the very next session, which could be like two days later Mm -hmm. that they're literally lifting 50% more, right? Mm -hmm. Because they feel more comfortable. And then a month later, you know, they're only lifting five pounds more, but those beginner gains are real for a lot of reasons. You're not only 
um, getting more comfortable with the movements, but you are, you know, you're telling your central nervous system to recruit more muscle fibers. So you might not have even built on um, more mass, mm -hmm. but you're just becoming more efficient at the lift, becoming more confident. So you can make a lot more progress in the, in the beginning, mm. even without the like awesome weight changes that, that you were able to, to, to do, but. Well, again, yeah. a lot of that was just, I had good people around me and, and, you know, I didn't mm. know what I didn't know, but I try to learn and, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. be, because I always struggled, like I said, from, and this is, all, this is where I think everyone's so different. Like I struggled gaining weight mm -hmm. just because of my body type and whatever, when I was younger, but that was something hard for me because I was like, yeah, I could eat whatever I want, but I also was kind of, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't like filled out and muscle like some of the other kids and you kind of comparing yourself. So anyways, it was like. For me, yeah, gaining weight was important because that helped me gain more muscle. But at the same time, that also brought, you know, again, new concerns, new challenges, as you mentioned, because of the the different weights you could lift. So mm -hmm. um, I'd like this conversation right now because I think it's important if we recognize, again, the edges where we don't really see and like kind of talking about, well, why do people fail? Well, because we don't recognize. So if you start to recognize those, because everyone's plan is going to be different, right? Everyone's nutrition or fitness plan based on their life is going to be different. Um, so on that note, I'm really curious your thoughts on this is, and this goes, we, we, you could take it. I mean, I'm only, I'm a male, so I only can talk on that capacity. You can maybe talk on both, but um, from your research, but how much do hormones play into this? This is something I think it doesn't get talked about maybe as much, or at least in the general thing of like, that could change why someone has two extra pounds in the scale one day and then they lose a pound three days later because of their hormones. And we don't think about that as much. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we do not think about hormones. I mean, those play a role in our lives, you know, not just for exercise and nutrition, but also for our sleep and recovery. Uh, and it's, there's a lot of interesting research about that. I am not an expert uh, in hormones. Um, I am taking a course right now with Sam Miller. I don't know if you're familiar with him no, or no. His, his work. Yeah, he also got his PhD at NC State. So he has a functional nutrition and metabolism course. And I'm in that course right now. And I'm excited to bring that more to my clients. But uh, yes, hormones play a huge role. And there is, you know, people oftentimes think about just calories in versus calories out. And you'll hear people say, oh, I just need to go into a calorie deficit. But that's not, you know, that's not completely true. You, if you stay in a really big calorie deficit, yes, you're going to lose weight, but the hormones do play a big role in uh, our metabolism and our sleep. Of course, sleep impacts our recovery, um, also our ability to make good decisions and our, uh, our um, stress. And so, yeah, there, there's a huge, huge impact for sure. What intrigued you, I, I guess, maybe it was just learning, but was there anything else that intrigued you, I guess, to want to take the additional coat, you know, the course in training with hormones? Yes, um, I wanted to take the course because I feel like there's a lot more that I can help my clients with if I have an understanding. And I could also look at, have you heard of um, Inside Tracker? Yes, yep. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've also started talking to my clients about that. So they could look at, you know, different biomarkers. And I feel like there's a lot more to understand there. I don't simply want to have the conversation with my clients of calories in and out or, or even just macronutrients. Like I want to have more of the conversation of, about their, their sleep and their um, energy and their, their hunger, their digestion. And so I think taking the course is going to help me be a better coach. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, a, well, that just goes to show like you, we don't know it all. We have to continue learning and, and expanding and there's always new stuff out there, right? So it's, yeah. you know, how do we, how do we allow that to come into our lives versus pushing it, thinking we know it all, you know, I think that's important. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, our bodies are these very complex biological machines and there's always, there's always new, new research, interesting research coming out. And I think that's, it can be very, very confusing to clients. So when clients come to me and they've seen, very conflicting things on social media. I want to be able to answer questions as best I can. And if I can't answer them, I'll tell them, okay, I'm going to go and do some research on that. And I'll let you know if I can answer that question. I'm always honest with them um, yeah. about that. So yeah, I, I definitely hope you'll answer more questions about, about hormones in the, in the future. Mm. 
I wanted to ask you about um, from a food standpoint, because, and, and this is again, the way I look at it, but you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but we are talking about like being a vegetarian or vegan, or even if you do carnivore, like whatever it is, there's some sort of healthy user bias, right? Because all of that for the most part is good, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're eliminating probably certain foods. So I guess here's my question is if we had that, whatever, a Venn diagram and all the good stuff overlapped, what is the, what is the things of everything you should eliminate? I don't care if you're a vegan, vegetarian, carnivore, you eat, you know, whatever, Mediterranean diet, whatever it is. Are there certain foods that no one should be eating? Like, is, is there something you have as a, as a guidepost no. for everyone? No, I, no, I don't believe in eliminating certain foods, but I did. I want to touch back on what you said at the beginning of that, which is, you know, there's certain things that people believe for a really long time that a vegan or vegetarian diet was healthy. And there was actually a lot of literature, right, to support that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the literature that came out or research that came out for that is because vegans and vegetarians were doing other things in their lifestyle mm -hmm. that were healthy. Mm -hmm. So they're more active, hiking, um, exercising. So it, and just more, more aware of their health, you know, healthy habits, but, and then the comparisons were often made with people who were on more of your standard American diet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those comparisons are made. So that is, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to touch on that, but in terms of eliminating any foods or food groups, no, I, I, I don't believe in that. I mean, I do, I do try and, uh, you know, emphasize with my clients that they are, that they are touching all the food groups. So they're getting, you know, just say for like someone who's eating 2000 to 2200 calories a day, they're getting like three cups of vegetables, two cups of fruit, they're getting eight ounces or more of protein, um, they're getting maybe six to eight ounces of grains, 25 to 30 grams of fats, like, you know, try and touch on those. But I don't think people should try and eliminate treats or completely from their diet. I don't think that's sustainable. You mean like don't remove the ice cream, just have have it in quote unquote moderation is kind of the term always used, but have it in certain periods and, and allow it versus just cutting it completely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have it in moderation. And if you're on vacation or if you're traveling, I don't want people to feel stressed out about enjoying themselves. So if it's helpful for people to stick to their plan 100% and that reduces stress, that's great. If that's going to increase stress, then don't log your food, don't open your app, like enjoy your time. And I find that after people have been have changed their eating habits and they're eating mostly whole foods and they're exercising, that oftentimes if they eat too many foods that are, you know, think about the standard American diet, if they're eating pizza, French fries, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> a lot of foods that have mainly carbs and a lot of fat in them, that they don't feel very good. And so they will switch back pretty, you know, pretty quickly, maybe the next meal to eating something that makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. So once they're, once they're feeling those benefits of eating healthy, then it's, uh, it picks up momentum and it's, it's, they don't want to eat as many of those foods. Yeah. So well, it's like self-moderation by feeling better. <laughs> well, I think that goes back to, you know, you mentioned earlier about people being afraid. I think that's one of those things is you can get intimidated like, oh my God, if I'm going to eat, if I'm going to try to eat quote unquote healthy, I got to do it every meal. So if I miss, now you start beating yourself up. But the reality is, hey, if you can hit it 80, 85%, 90% of the time, great. But you have to have those baked in where you're going to miss or you can enjoy life a little bit by having some yeah. of those other foods. Yeah. And I try and I try and tell people like what I try to do is never have two misses in a row. So for example, if I'm, I'm out somewhere and I have a miss for dinner, then I try and get back on track for breakfast. Or if I have a miss for breakfast, I'll try and get back on track for lunch. And I find that's a helpful guideline because then people feel like, okay, I, you know, I don't have to have the mentality of messed up at breakfast. Well, screw it for the rest of the day. Yeah. I'm just going to do whatever I want because that's oftentimes mentality people have. Yeah. Do you believe in cheat days for meals? No, or? I don't like that term. I know. I'm just asking them. Yeah. I, uh, no, I don't believe in cheat days or, or cheat meals. I, <laughs> I just think just the same way. I don't like people to say, I want to get 
um, I want to get toned, toned up or I want to have lean muscle. Yeah. All muscle is lean. There's very little fat in it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really like that term. I just try and have people talk about like a sustainable plan and things that are going to reduce stress, not increase stress. If someone wants to call it a cheat meal, that's fine. But I don't, I don't phrase it that way. Yeah. Do you feel that like, um, throws all, like if you've done a lot of work for five days and, and you've eaten well, like having a whole day where you're again, burgers and fries and pizza and, and you're doing that every week. I don't, I don't know the, the facts behind this. So I'm asking like, does that throw your body into like a weird state of kind of, it's almost like, right. If you, fasted for a period of time your body kicks in like a certain you know kind of the evolutionary stuff of like okay now we're going to change how we store you know fat and those type of things because it's it's seeing that impulse almost and, and wanting to protect you yeah just just for one day no i think it becomes more of a a problem so when you talk about someone who for many many years has been sedentary and eaten um, in a calorie surplus and not eating very nutrient dense foods, then it could be much harder for, for them to, uh, perhaps lose weight. Of course, we're not talking about genetics here, but, but no, just for, just for one day, that person might feel sick and might mess up their digestion, but there's, uh, there's even some plans, not plans I have, but clients I've worked with where they are given one day a week to do whatever the heck whatever they want. And then they get back on, they get back on track. In terms of, so if we broke down sleep, nutrition, exercise, let's, let's use those three. If there's other mm -hmm. stuff, throw it in there. Those are kind of a big categories. Maybe the, uh, a mental fitness or something of that nature could be put in there, I think as well. Um, but how do you, I guess, work to is there like one you start with always, or is it kind of a mixture? Cause if you're talking about like, which I agree with like small habits daily kind of build up over time, do you start in one area or another? Like is always starting with nutrition and then adding the others or. It depends on the client. I always give them a plan that has a program for their nutrition and for their exercise, for their workouts. And then it depends on the person. So I give them that plan. And then if it looks like after a few weeks, it's not working, they're not able to stick to it. Then we might go back and say, all right, I'm going to remove these specific workouts. And I just want you to walk for 30 minutes a day, because I can see that they're only getting maybe 2000 steps a day. So I'll be like, all right, there's a lot of ways we can just improve that and hopefully get them just moving. Uh, in terms of habits, like sleep or um, improving their you know, mental health. If people want to set specific goals there, then we can, we can do that. But the, the plan that I put together initially is just centered around the movement and then the nutrition. Okay. Well, cause I feel, and again, this is just thinking through a lot of stuff that sleep has become so important the last four years for me. Um, and, and, putting a lot of work into kind of figuring out, okay, where, what, where can I tweak? Like my bedtime routine, I talk about a lot. Um, how much does that impact though? Like if someone, hey, I want a new nutrition plan, I want to improve this, but they go to bed at 1 a.m. and they've been on a computer for three straight hours and then they can't, they have four hours of sleep. Like, cause doesn't that impact their, how they're eating, when they're eating, maybe if they yeah. have energy to go to the gym. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I want to touch on that. Have you, I, I just got a hatch recently because I'm a horrible sleeper. I don't know if you have I, heard I've never, I've seen them on Shark Tank. I've never uh, actually bought one. I just use my phone as a, an alarm okay. if I need it. Yeah. 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 It's got the, you know, it's got the, the sunrise. You can like set it for the sunrise to be 15, 30, 45, 60 minutes. And yeah, yeah it's been, a, it's been a game changer for me, but I was just, I was just curious. So that's been, that's been super helpful to me, but in terms of clients. So when they, fill out their intake form. I ask about all of their habits as well. So what their schedule is a typical Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day of the week. Of course, the weekends look very different for most people mm -hmm. than, than during the week. So uh, we discuss all of that. 
And then in their weekly check-ins, also ask about their sleep and their recovery and their digestion. And then at the end of the month, we can look back at all that, see if things are improving, if they're not improving, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and we can we can dive into that. And they also they have daily check-ins too. And sleep is one of the things I ask about. And they get their daily check-in at 7 a.m. in the morning. And if I see that someone's reporting that they are tired every single day, I'll yeah. say, hey, what's going on? And sometimes it's things they can control. And sometimes it's not, you know, if they've got a six-month-old baby, then it's probably just going to be that way for a while. Yeah. But if they say, hey, I was up on my phone last night late, say, okay, put the phone in another room. So it depends on the person and if they can change the habits, but if they can improve their sleep and improve their sleep hygiene, then absolutely. That's something we, we discussed. Sleep is extremely, extremely important. What are some, I guess on that note, like if we give some breadcrumbs for folks to say, okay, we're going to, we want you to get started. They, someone wants to get started in a better direction. They don't mm -hmm. feel like their life is in order in terms of their nutrition and health. Um, their, maybe their exercise they've been lacking, what have you. It could be a variety of things, right? Where would you kind of start leading them to, to things they can start today? It might not mm -hmm. impact, they might not do it forever, but things that they can start today to at least move in the right direction. Anything you'd encourage them to, to that be simple and easy to get going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one thing I would encourage people to do is pick up a book rather than watching TV, like an hour, an hour before bed and, you know, not reading a book on a screen, but you know, paperback, paperback book. <laughs> and another thing they could do is just try and get into bed even like 15 minutes earlier. And maybe they're just staring at the ceiling or they close their eyes and they don't fall asleep. And then maybe the following day they get into bed 20 minutes earlier. And then same with going to sleep earlier or having better sleep hygiene, the waking up is really important too. So rather than waking up and picking up your phone, mm. just get your butt out of the bed. However you do it, just get out of bed and then see what happens. And again, try that just 15 minutes earlier than the day before. If you want to be someone that wakes up at 5 a.m. every day, but right now you wake up at seven, that's going to be a pretty hard change. So start just trying to wake up at, at 6.45. Well, and you make a great point too, because it's like, try it, let's see what works, let's tweak it. And this is why new New Year's resolutions don't work. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym for two hours every day, and I'm going to really get into shape. But rather, it would probably be better. It's like, hey, go walk for 15 minutes and just start slowly building that new habit into play. And then you tweak and adjust based on your schedule instead yes, of jumping yes. in the deep end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing is that people need to want to change. Mm -hmm. So if you, and you need to give them multiple options and opportunities, because even if someone who wants to change, there might be something that they're like, I just can't, I can't do that. I need, I need another option. <laughs> and so people have to want to change and then they have to also be given different opportunities from their coaches to make those changes. And they may find they can only make one change right now. And then the following week they can add in one more thing, but yeah, it's gotta be sustainable over time. And that's uh, yeah, that's a big, that's a big one is that people will commit to a change like a new year's resolution for a month or so and then quit. Yeah. Well, like the, the folks that you're working with, do you find a lot of them have, because you mentioned earlier about, you know, maybe they tried a program and it didn't work or didn't commit to it, failed. How many are like brand new, never done anything like this, but they're ready to change versus how many have done yeah. stuff before? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I work with a really wide range of clients, not just in experience, but also in, in age. And I'd say probably about half of them have experience as athletes throughout life and maybe they stopped working out and then half of them are are new to all of this and they might have even had an upbringing where exercise was not only not a part of it but it was like you know frowned upon um it wasn't a priority and they should have been doing other things with their time rather than exercise so it yeah they come from a big range of backgrounds people who are really really excited about exercising and have never done it before are some of my absolute favorite people to work with yeah i and, imagine i mean there's a if you're excited you're gonna at least try it you know 
Oh yeah. 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 And, and I love being able to look, you know what it's like, I'm sorry, we're going back to CrossFit again. I can't help yeah. both CrossFit athletes. So you know what it's like when someone gets obsessed with CrossFit for the first time, it's like, the, it's the most fun thing to watch someone's first CrossFit yeah. experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same kind of thing. Like the first time uh, a client, you know, t- gets on a call with me like, Oh my gosh, like, I feel so much, I'm sleeping so much better. I have so much more energy. My, my pants are getting bigger. My, my wife said to me that she can feel my muscles and, yeah. and my kids are, are next to me working out next to me. It feels so great. Like that's, that's the kind of wins as a coach. That's what makes it so worth it for me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and I think that, that, and this kind of loops around, I think, you know, we've jumped into so many different pockets today, but like it's not a one size fits all. Everyone's different. Their schedules are different. Their bodies are different. But it's the fact of under the umbrella of can you eat better? Can you put some time and dedicate to exercise? Can you focus maybe on sleeping? Like that's what's going to improve. It doesn't because you know you've talked to folks all the time. They're like, oh, CrossFit's not for me. It's what? Well, there's a lot of modifications you can do. How are you? Are you looking to the mainstream media or whoever's talking bad about it? and doing it but it's the same for like running like i hate running i'm not gonna go run you know 20 miles tomorrow but some people love it right and i that's, used to be a runner yeah and that's okay right but it's like yeah it's because the easiest thing is like if someone's like oh i want to get in shape oh you should come to crossfit well sure yes they i found the benefits of that but maybe for someone else it's hey i'm gonna go do jujitsu or i'm gonna go swim right. or i'm gonna do whatever there's all these other things you could do to right. get exercise in your life Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, I totally believe in the CrossFit methodology, like yeah. when the programming is done well, and yeah. I would love for all my clients to do CrossFit, but you're, you're totally right. And that is, I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier is that if I give a client a program and they're not sticking to it, one of the first things we talk about is, okay, do you not enjoy strength training? Mm-hmm. Do you not enjoy running? Like, do you want to do yoga? Is that going to be your entry point into then building momentum and, and getting some success? Yeah. Because, you know, I, the last thing I want to do is give someone a plan that they're not going to be able to stick to and is not going to get them results. Because in the end, it is all about getting the clients the the results that they need. It's not about them following one specific program. Um, and those those results being that they're you know improve mental health. They if they if they need to lose weight, they need to lose body fat. Then mm-hmm. you know work on that over time. Um, but. It, there's not one program fits all. No way. <laughs> yeah. But it's a matter of you think the, everything people have in common that do succeed is they've committed to the change and they put the time and energy into it. Yes. They've, com- yes, they've committed to the change. And then it's also this beautiful thing when someone has committed to something for long enough that they've not only seen the physical results, like the mental health benefits, but then they have this like identity transformation, someone who never looked at themselves as an athlete before. Like I'm working with someone who went, it was like 90% done with where he wanted to be with his weight loss and made a huge transformation for years in his life. And, and then I started working with him near the end. And it has been amazing to see his uh, identity change too. So one of the things we talk about is like, Hey, you are an athlete. This is who you are. This is who you are now. You are, you are no longer this, this person before who was, who was overweight. And you know, now this is your lifestyle. You eat healthy, you make good choices. You're an athlete. And that's an awesome thing to see as well. That takes years though, I think. Yeah, absolutely. 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 What are you, um, maybe as a good point to end on, I'm kind of curious, just, is there anything else you're thinking about anything that's maybe new and curious on your end that you know you want people to know about or maybe start looking at more information on anything at all to kind of enter a conversation oh my gosh there's so it, there's it could be so a question or a challenge for the audience you know maybe i don't know it could be wherever dealer's choice here oh man brian you got you got, you got me, uh, I'm going to think of something like really good right after we get off the. No, that's right okay. I like to I like to put you on the spot a little bit. Just like what's been top of mind for you. Maybe it's a, again, a topic that's been interesting, or we talk about hormones, obviously you're going through that stuff with the, the course, but just kind of curious, anything else you're thinking about, um, or maybe again, to help someone get started, Hey, go do this. I would challenge you anything at all. I think something that's been 
really interesting to me recently is, is I work with a lot of different people mm-hmm. and I am trying to figure out when I start working with someone, what I can do to help them with early success and early I don't want to say quick results because people always want them, you know, faster, but mm-hmm. I, in my conversations and in their checking and things like that, I'm trying to figure out how to sort of predict their success with the program I've given them and what changes we might need to make mm-hmm. to help them continue for the amount of time they need to continue to see results because yeah, that, that's probably the thing I've been thinking about most recently. <laughs> It's just getting people to where they want to go a little bit, like how, not not hacking, but like how do you get more? And I don't, I know you kind of have the science kind of approach to it. So like, how do you get more specific to it? You know? Yes, yes. So I, yeah. So I always emphasize the data collection with my clients right from the beginning, and so that is in like you know we wear our, our fitness trackers, which are which are great, and those give us the data. So I always emphasize that, and then we make changes based on that data collection, which I think is also the point of the fitness trackers, right? You see, oh, I'm, I'm not getting my steps today. Or like, I'm also wearing an aura ring now. Mm. Um, and so that's been giving me great information about my sleep. So I can you know, look at that and say, all right, well, what do I need to do to improve my, improve my sleep? So it's the same thing with my clients, since I work obviously remotely with them and online with them, uh, looking at the, the data collection and, and making changes and improvements for them. Is there any, is there anything they could do? Like when they start giving you data or start, like you mentioned the fitness trackers and you mentioned kind of like writing down like what they, what they're eating and stuff. Like, is there anything else that you kind of talk with them about in terms of data collection? Yeah. So the main things that I do with clients is the, they do sync if they wear a fitness tracker, we sync that. So we talk about steps. Um, we talk about sleep and their and digestion as well so in their check-ins we cover all that also mindset so just sort of like on the scale or if there's anything extra I want to fill in there and uh energy levels throughout the day so I think that pretty much covers it sleep and energy digestion recovery stress stress and mindset kind of being together Mm. and so some of those things are self-reported and then some of those things are me looking and seeing if they've completed their workout and if they're sticking to their, you know, sticking to their nutrition plan. And then of course, if they've got the fitness tracker synced. Mm. So some things are self-reported and then some things I, I see, um, just from the automatic data collection. And we talked about like the non-aesthetic goals, um, you know, maybe numbers Mm. you can't see right, you know, on the surface, but do you recommend folks like get blood testing right at the beginning, if they're trying to make a substantial change, is that important to have that marker of where they're at? I don't recommend that in the beginning, especially not with something um, like uh, inside tracker because it is pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So I would only recommend that if someone is either stuck and they've been stuck for a long time. And it seems like we have optimized everything else and they're still not getting the results they want, then I would say, yeah, maybe let's, let's do, look at some different, uh, some different biomarkers. And that could be, that could be really interesting. Or if they have gotten recent lab results from a doctor and they're comfortable sharing those with me, then, you know, then we could, we could look at that as well. Hmm. Yeah. We could probably spend a whole hour just talking about that side of things, you know, so, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll table that. We'll table that for now. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, where do you, uh, where do you spend time online? Where would you encourage folks to reach out to you say hello um, if they want to check out your stuff? I am Sophia Tostenson on all on channels on, on Instagram, mostly on Instagram. Um, are you, are you spending now, time on threads? Are you going on threads now? I was just going to say, are you on? Yes. On threads now, right? The, the, I forgot threads. I'm a Twitter guy though. So I'm kind of mixed right now. So we'll see. It's early though. Yeah. Yeah. You're, are you just like hopping between the two platforms? I barely, I mean, I've posted a little bit on threads, but I kind of like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'll spend a lot of time on it just cause I'm trying to forego a lot of social media and try to be more focused. So getting pulled mm-hmm. to another platform, I don't know. Still, still feeling it out. It's early, you know? 
yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still feeling it out too. I feel like Instagram takes up a, a lot of my time already. Yeah. But if you're trying yeah. to grow a business, obviously that's important and that's a way to interact with, with your clients and other folks too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely is. I yeah. still, I still would recommend, even though I want people to find me on Instagram, I still recommend people not look at Instagram in the hour before bed and the hour that they wake up. Just yeah. get rid of the phone. Yeah. And, and we'll link all this and your website, uh, shout out your website as well. Oh yeah, you, sure. My, my, it's a fitbyscience.net. Fitbyscience.net. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And we'll link it up in the show notes, but just to call it out. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Brian. So this has been a lot of fun. Um, I know we, again, we went in a lot of different pockets here, but I appreciate you sticking with me and I get scattered sometimes. So uh, this is a oh, lot of fun. Th though. Thanks uh, for sticking with me. I'm the same way. I get really excited and, and go and go into lots of different places. So. No, I love talking about this stuff. So thank you again for joining and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. Hey everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.